Non-stop talk radio, streaming 24 hours a day. TalkZone.com TalkZone.com It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, it combines an office workstation with a treadmill so that you can burn calories while earning a paycheck. Steelcase is about to debut the work uh, walk station. It'll set you back $4,000. You can walk while you work. Well, it is a topic of growing interest these days. Our teeth. When do we try and save it at all costs? When do we let it go? When does that underlying infection, uh, the one that the root canal is supposed to take care of, when do uh, we take a look at total body health? We are joined today by two experts in that area. Our lines open for any of your dental uh, medical questions. Dr. Robert Kulatz, Dr. Chris Husser joining us today. Our teeth, when should we fold? When should we hold on to them? Right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, it's certainly widely known among this country and all the industrialized countries for that matter that um, our children are heavier than ever before. Skyrocketing uh, rates of uh, both overweight and obesity dominate uh, children's landscape of the industrialized countries. Uh, and, of course, there are many factors that have a role to play here. Uh, the, the, the lack of activity. Our children are more sedentary than ever before. We've changed the fats uh, in their diet. Certainly the $18 billion a year spent to influence our children to eat unhealthy takes its toll as well. But the Japanese have published an intriguing study. It's a study that lasted two decades of women who gave birth um, in the 1990s in Japan, they found that children whose mothers smoked, even in the very earliest stages of pregnancy, were 300% more likely to struggle with obesity later in life. And you might say, oh, it's just a lifestyle. Mothers who smoke maybe feed their children differently than mothers who don't smoke. What was intriguing uh, coming out of this Japanese research that... Um, they theorized that children whose mothers smoke were actually deprived of nutrients in the womb. And we know that obesity is often getting lots of empty calories, but often too short on nutrients. And because you're short on nutrients, you continue to consume food. But if it's processed food, you're often not getting the nutrients that you need. We know uh, thanks to research studies on smoking, that it robs our body of key nutrients. Smoking produces free radicals. And, uh, for example, a smoker needs more vitamin C because their body is consuming more vitamin C. 
The same is true of many other nutrients, and they found the risk of obesity 300% higher among children whose mothers smoked that may be related to the fact that they were deprived of certain key nutrients in the womb. Interesting indeed. Well, speaking of smoking, this comes from the American Journal of Medicine, researchers finding that heavy smokers have a greater risk of psoriasis, and their risk of psoriasis only returns to normal 20 years after quitting smoking. It may be that toxins in cigarette smokes affect parts of the immune system that is associated with psoriasis. It may be that the free radicals of smoking trigger the body's inflammatory response, and psoriasis is certainly related to inflammation. Previous research linking smoking and psoriasis, but they were unable to look at whether or not smoking occurred before the onset of a psoriasis. So this study taking a look at uh, nurses over a 14-year period of time, uh, part of the Harvard Nurses Study, finding that there is a stronger link between smoking and the development, uh, the risk of developing psoriasis, indicating that smokers have a much greater risk of developing psoriasis, and that risk only returns to normal some 20 years after quitting smoking. Hmm. Amazing what all parts of the body that are affected by smoking. Well, he was a former Harvard quarterback. He was rummaging around in his medicine chest looking for some aspirin when he found a a ribbed plastic um, bottle, uh, a bottle of nasal spray. When he squeezed the bottle, it bounded back. Then he pounded on the bottle, and it bounded back. He said, this is it. Finding that this bottle filled with air cushioned both soft and hard blows with equal ease led uh, quarterback Vin Ferrero to promising new technology that they say may just be revolutionary in terms of protecting football players' heads for concussion because why there have been polycarbonate battering um, uh, you know, face mask, why there, there has been innovation in terms of, of uh, helmets. Nothing uh, you know, does the job uh, in, in 100%. So what they found is this new helmet has 18 thermoplastic shock absorbers, little um, plastic um, devices that hold air that even when they're deflated, fill with air again that moderate the sudden jarring of the head that causes concussions. And laboratory studies have shown that these air-filled discs, which are embedded all over the, uh, the football helmet, can withstand hundreds of impacts without any notable decrease in performance which, of course, has been the downside of putting foam in helmets that often, over a period of time, the foam degrades and you don't get the same level of protection. It's called the flexible bonnet. There are 18 shock absorbers that, uh, whether it's a low, medium, or high impact, deflate, then immediately reinflate 
because air is, is designed to, to reinflate these little shock absorbers, helping to protect the vulnerable brain from even um, just severe jarring, which may be a real boon because we know that concussions can certainly cut a career short, can impact um, that player's medical health, their brain health throughout the, their lifetime. And we find even in high school, in college players, lots of concussions. Uh, girls are not uh, immune, thanks to girls playing soccer these days with those headbutts. So we're now finding a shock-absorbing helmet, uh, thanks to these little, uh, little shock absorbers that are filled with air perhaps revolutionizing uh, football helmets uh, for years to come. Well, he's a medical oncologist from Prince Margaret Hospital in Toronto. His, his topic uh, is reducing the risk of breast cancer. He says hit the gyms, exercise, lowers the amount of estrogen in breast tissue, and uh, the more we modulate the effects of estrogen, the less breast cancer we have. He says watch your weight. Fat tissue increases estrogen level, which increases our risk of breast cancer. Get enough vitamin D. That vitamin D has an anti-cancer effect in its own right, and limit the use of hormones after menopause because chronic exposure to these supplemental hormones uh, can increase your risk of breast cancer. We'll post the report today at our uh, website, healthytalkradio.com, that we are now uh, identifying there are many modifiable risk factors when it comes to uh, very sobering diseases like breast cancer. Well, it's all about female athletes and their bones. We knew at one point in time that many female athletes, thanks to the, the, the pounding, the vibration of walking or running on their bones, had stronger bones. But because we have seen so many runners have um, uh, impaired hormonal uh, production as well as import and impaired nutrition, that they are finding that um, high-impact runners have lower-than-average bone density levels that may be related to the amount of calories, to the type of nutrients they receive. Send more money for more study, but we're seeing some female athletes risking weaker bones. We're going to return to talk about teeth. When do you hold them? When do you fold and let them go? Dr. Chris Husser, Dr. Robert Kulatz is our guy today. Our uh, telephone number is to have you join us is 800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Start. Two, one, booster ignition, and liftoff. It's time to talk about your dental health. Here's Deborah Ray and Dr. Robert Kulatz. Now open wide, say ah, this won't hurt a bit. And because what is going on in your mouth is connected to the rest of your body, we will expand that conversation because it's an amazing statistic chronicled in one of the guests who joins us today's book, Dr. Robert Kulatz, the author of The Roots of Disease, Connecting Dentistry and Medicine. We do many, many more root canals 
every year than ever before. And I'm hearing from an increasing number of people who are concerned about lingering infections, which raises the question, teeth. When do we hold on to them? When do we fold them and actually let them go? And I know of no better people, uh, experts in this arena, to address that topic. And as always, we invite you to join us at 800-307-3002. He is a noted uh, uh, pioneer in the field of uh, integrating the fields of dentistry and medicine, the author of The Roots of Disease, uh, Connecting Dentistry and Medicine. He's Dr. Robert Kulatz, who joins us today. Dr. Kulatz, hello and welcome. Good morning, Deborah. Great to be here. Great to have you join us and a very special guest as well, who received uh, not only his degree in dentistry, University of Detroit Dental uh, College, his degree in, in medicine from Michigan State University College of Osteopathic Medicine, who has been a great pioneer that the dots do connect in terms of our total body health. He's Dr. Chris Husser, who joins us today. Dr. Husser, hello and welcome. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning, Robert. Hello, Chris. So set the stage for all of us, uh, Dr. Kulatz, because I'm hearing from an increasing number of people who uh, understand infection and inflammation as it re- relates to, uh, to root canals and will then lead us into a, a conversation with Dr. Husser of you know, when do we hold on to those teeth? When, when does the, the risk of having the, that infection and inflammation uh, in our mouth outweigh the benefits? Certainly, Deborah. Uh, a root canal is done are performed when a tooth has become infected uh, with bacteria and the nerve tissue and the all the tissue inside that tooth dies, becomes necrotic, dead tissue, and then the infection <clears throat> travels down the main chamber, the hollow part of that root, and down into the surrounding bone. Now, that will usually cause a patient to exhibit uh, painful symptoms. They'll have extreme pain in many cases. And a root canal is uh, designed to remove that nerve tissue to get the patient out of pain. The problem is that you may remove the nerve tissue and remove the pain uh, from that tooth, but you do not remove the infection that is still going to linger in that porous tooth structure. A tooth is is not a solid structure. It's like a sponge. It's porous. And it will contain millions of bacteria that are not eliminated by the uh, root canal procedure. And more importantly, that infection will travel down and cause infection or chronic infection and also dead bone in the bone surrounding the tip of that root. So even though you may have no pain on that tooth that has a root canal done, the same way you have no symptoms in many cases with hypertension, but you still have it, the tooth is still chronically infected, will cause chronic inflammation in the surrounding bone, and that does not always stay local in the jaw uh, the jawbone or in the tooth, but can spread both bacteria and the inflammatory mediators, the the uh, chemicals that the white blood cells secrete uh, in response to chronic infection throughout the rest of the body. Now we hear uh, in the mainstream uh, medical literature, now we're hearing it in mainstream dental literature, 
We're hearing it in mainstream uh, media that inflammation, inflammation, chronic infection is one of the major causes of many of our systemic diseases like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, stroke, preterm labor, etc., etc., etc. And to leave a chronic infection in the jawbone in the form of a root canal tooth without informing the patient of the possible risks systemically is, in my opinion, uh, a, I'm going to call it a crime. So address, if you would, for us, please, Dr. Husser, how that infection and inflammation in the mouth can affect the rest of the body. Dr. Dr. Kulatz has eloquently laid the stage for us. Uh, I was afraid I was in dental school all over again. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nightmare. Anyway, uh, to, to reiterate what he said and to further enhance it, um, you know, over the last 20 years of doing this kind of work, I've had the, the luxury, if you will, or perhaps the nightmare, if you will, seeing the ravages of dental infection and what it does to the rest of the body. For 25 years of my practice, I devoted most of my time to treating patients with head and neck pain disorders. And in fact, most of those patients that I did see had facial pain caused by a chronic infection. And this ranged from patients with atypical facial pain or trigeminal neuralgia, also known as tic doloru. Tic doloru is one of the most excruciating forms of pain known to mankind. And there's an estimate between at least 15 million people in our country have a facial pain disorder of some type, whether it be uh, trigeminal neuralgia or atypical facial pain or headache or just vague pathology that causes them to have symptoms of the head and neck area. It could be anything from eye pain to chronic sinusitis to ear pain. And over the years, I've seen many of these, if not most of them, being traceable to a chronic infection in the jaw, whether it be a dead tooth or an area of the jawbone where a tooth was missing, uh, where a dead tooth was extracted, i.e. a root canal that was failing, so to speak, and the dentist or oral surgeon pulled this, extracted this tooth on the patient, leaving chronic infection behind. And this, the most common side of this, of course, is the, the, wisdom, the uh, wisdom teeth area or third molars. Now, Chris, can elaborate on the fact that people are going to say, well, I have a root canal, and I'm fine, and I, my neighbor has a root canal, and they have no problems. Um, it doesn't affect everybody the same way, and we may not link the causal relationship that somebody may have you know, pain down the road, or they may have a heart attack or a stroke you know, 10 years later, and nobody's linking it back to the chronic infection in the mouth. Absolutely. Many root canals, as you know, or chronic jawbone infections are silent. I would say at least 50%. Wow, wow. And, and so over the years you, you see this, and the patient may not devote any symptomatology to their oral infection. In other words, they may have no head and neck symptomatology. But I know very few people that don't have vague aches and pains or arthritic conditions or a trick knee or a trick back that goes out on occasion. I know very few people that are completely, totally symptom-free and are completely healthy. What I used to do over the years, and I still do now with my patients, is obviously when a patient comes to my office, they have a problem, a medical problem, dental problem, whatever it may be. That's my job to 
discern and go through the information and find out why they're ill. For years, I would take a small amount of local anesthetic, and I would inject into the gums just a minute amount of local anesthetic, maybe two or three drops, over the gums where a tooth is that I suspect is being a dead tooth or an infected tooth or i.e. a root canal or an area where a tooth is missing and I would ascertain whether those patients that patient's symptoms improved subsequent to my little diagnostic injection in the mouth. So basically I'd be numbing up the trigeminal nerve which is cranial nerve number five and see if there's any downstream effects. One of the most common things I was used to seeing is people who have chronic unexplained low back pain i.e. sacroiliitis that's pain right in the big bone of your in your in your hips, your hip bone, where the spine articulates with your iliac crest. That pain would go away almost instantly. Oh, Dr. Husser, hold that thought. We'll pick up when we return. Dr. Robert Kulots, right. Dr. Chris Husser on Healthy Talk Radio. The information presented on Healthy Talk Radio is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, how much do they know about medicine anyway? Two very special guests joining us today to talk about an important topic, infection inflammation in our mouth the effect on the rest of our body and the teeth. You know, we often um, think that at all costs we're going to hold on to those uh, those teeth. You know, when do we hold them? When should we uh, fold them? Dr. Chris Husser joining us today, both a, a medical doctor, a doctor of osteopathy, as well as a dentist. Dr. Robert Kulatz, a dentist who has penned the book The Roots of Disease, Connecting Dentistry and Medicine, joins us as well. And you were telling us, Dr. Husser, about uh, even uh, back pain, facial pain, related to what's going on in the mouth. Please continue. We were discussing how uh, I used to do, I still do, diagnostic injections with a small amount of lidocaine or novocaine with a small needle, a 30-gauge needle, which is just a little slightly larger than a hair, and I would do these very delicate uh, injections into the mouth gently, and I would ask the patient how they would respond to that. If they had fibromyalgia, was there some relief in their back pain or their symptoms of pain? If they had uh, chronic shoulder pain or arm pain, was that relieved by my injection? And so this is where I, where I begin with my patients, who especially will have some kind of undiagnosed pain disorder. In other words, they may have chronic low back pain with no evidence of x-ray damage. They might have shoulder problems with no evidence of, of shoulder injuries or arthritis. So this is how I begin. I also have the luxury of using uh, what's called medical imaging. I have an infrared camera, and I use this to define the point where the patient has pain because that area will always have a higher heat signature. So I can actually tell a patient, I'll bet it hurts right here because the camera gives me a heat signature indicating pain. Now, this is very useful for patients with facial pain because you can see hot inflamed areas in the jaw that can only correspond to residual infections, i.e. root canals, i.e. dead teeth, or chronic areas of the jawbone that we refer to as cavitations where teeth used to be that have now been extracted and now there's a smoldering infection that's still in there. And Chris, explain why that's hotter in those areas for, for the, uh, the audience. It why you back, would see that higher thermal image. It gets back to what you were just talking about, inflammation. Mm-hmm. These chronic infections release uh, very potent toxins which destroy local tissue, so there's a body reaction. And, of course, the, what, li- what limited immune system that most of us do have 
uh, the body tries to mount a response to that, but over the years, you know, the chronicity of these infections that most people have that goes undiagnosed, the immune system wears out, and you see this uh, progression of, you know, heat that usually dissipates over time, you know, 30 or 40 years later, and then you have basically an area of dead jawbone. You have osteonecrosis, which is even more more chronic than osteomyelitis, which is the initial stages of your infection. And it gets, 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 gets back to what you're talking about, inflammation. You know, we have certain markers that we try to go by in patients that we suspect chronic inflammation, heart disease patients, patients who've had cerebral vascular disease, run explained inflammatory disorders. There are markers in the blood that we can go by. We, we can check homocysteine. We can check fibrinogen. And probably the best one is, of course, the C-reactive protein, the highly sensitive form. And you can actually do blood tests to see if there is an inflammatory response going on in a person's circulation. You can even take blood and look under a microscope on these patients and and look at it live, and that's called dark field microscopy. And you can see frank inflammation as soon as you put that patient's blood under a microscope. And what are you going to see first? You're going to see clumps of red blood cells instead of instead of your red blood cells or your corpuscles which are designed to carry oxygen to the peripheral part of your body and carry carbon dioxide back where it can be dumped back into the lungs these are all stacked together and that's called rouleau formation that means stacks of coins that's a french term and you see these patients who are chronically ill that have seen 60 70 different doctors they have fibromyalgia they have ice cold hands and feet well, part of the problem they're so fatigued and they have poor circulation is because the red blood cells, in response to inflammation, are clumping together. And you need to disperse those immediately. If you see this in an older patient, you have to be very susceptible or suspicious of a potential stroke or heart attack because of this infl- inflammation. Exactly. And let me just add to that, Chris. You know, the, the Rouleau formation or the clumping of those red blood cells will prevent them from perfusing or making their way into the small capillaries or the blood vessels that supply our body with uh, oxygen and remove carbon dioxide and waste products. And if we have these larger areas of clumped uh, red blood cells, they're not going to get into these areas. Absolutely. So the muscles are not going to be fed with oxygen, and we're going to have pain and fatigue. And then if, if they are large... Uh, rouleau formations, like you mentioned before, uh, the incidence of uh, cerebral vascular disease and you know, and uh, a heart attack uh, uh, is is much more prevalent. And once again, it gets back to our initial discussion of the chronic jawbone infections. And you and I know, after so many biopsies of these dead areas in people's jaws, when you send that biopsy tissue into the oral pathologist, it comes back that there are problems with circulation. There's hypercoagulability both locally and this can be disseminated to the body so you have a, a local response with a systemic response where the patient becomes hypercoagulable, headed for a stroke, heart attack, or a peripheral blood clot or a blood clot in their lower extremities. And you can actually see this once again on the microscope. You see many, many platelets, which is our first line of defense uh, to prevent us from bleeding to, uh, if we cut ourselves. But when you have a reaction where you have an over, over amount of activated playlist, you also have to be suspicious of a chronic infection, getting back to the hole in the jawbone that is now infected, that has poor circulation, no white blood cells, 
and an inability to feed the local bone, so you have ischemic bone pain both locally causing inflammation. Exactly, and that inflammation and infection alone will cause hypercoagulation. Uh, couple that with the fact that certain bacteria in the mouth, when released into the bloodstream, will cause the platelets to clump together and form uh, a clot. You have a double, uh, a double whammy on your hands. Absolutely. Now, you know as well as I, when you do uh, cultures from these infections in the jawbone, the number of bugs that we've been able to, uh, to define. We've seen, of course, your primary organisms are staph and strep, but I've pulled everything from uh, candida, fungal infection, to uh, multiple viruses such as herpes, which most of us have in the mouth, and even Coxsackie virus, which is implicated in, from everything from diabetes to heart disease. And in fact, you see uh, it's very common to find a diagnosis of Coxsackie virus in young patients who have cardiac symptoms, uh, but nobody can seem to find to trace the origin. And this is usually, if you do titers of the blood, you'll find Coxsackie virus, and for some reason, this likes to live in the jawbone. And I've been thinking lately, with this epidemic of diabetes that we have in our country, is related to chronic jawbone infections. And this goes back to the work, as you know, of Dr. Emmanuel Cheraskin, who was both DDS and an MD, sure. who said, you'll never balance body sugar as long as you have infection in the body. And you're taught this as a medical student. You see this with diabetic uh, lower extremities, diabetic limbs. You've got to get the sugar under control. At the same time, you get the infection under control. And sometimes that means right. taking, off, taking off a necrotic foot. And that goes back to a necrotic tooth. The same, mm -hmm. you've got to get that necrotic tooth out because that causes local gangrene. Dentistry is the only profession that allows a, a gangrenous component, a dead component, to remain in the body. If you had a gangrenous finger, would you leave that at the expense of your arm? Of course not. Or a gangrenous foot? Of course not. And, the infection and you and I have both seen what we, when we do these surgeries, what these teeth that, uh, that are left in by the, the conventional dentist uh, as normal, when they are removed, uh, the discoloration, the amount of diseased tissue around that tooth, the amount of diseased tissue in the jawbone uh, is, is staggering. Yeah. And most dentists just just look at that as being normal. They just if there's no pain and there's no X-ray evidence, they let it ride and say, well. Uh, there, there is no problem there. And in fact, if you do go ahead as a dentist and uh, remove these uh, root canal teeth, uh, the American Dental Association uh, uh, considers that uh, misconduct. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you've gotten your wrist slapped that up high in regards to that. But when you send that out for biopsy, those dead teeth with the surrounding bone, they always come back bad all exactly. the time. But the patients are uh, uh, certainly um, wise to this as well. Address, if you would, please, Dr. Kulatz, because, you know, patients want to save those teeth at all costs. Sure. I mean, every, and, and, so, and so would I. I would, my goal would be to save any tooth that's uh, healthy, that can be saved and uh, uh, rid of any decay process, and can be restored to function, but to save a tooth at all costs, to save a tooth that's infected, that has infected the surrounding jawbone, just because uh, a dentist is trained to save teeth at the expense of the rest of the body 
is where dentistry and medicine have to merge. And we have to realize that the tooth is not as important as the rest of the body. Now, saving a tooth, if it's worth saving, if it's not going to remain infected, by all means, save that tooth. But don't save that tooth heroically uh, if it can jeopardize the health, uh, overall systemic health of the patient. That uh, is, is misconduct. Let's take that one more step. Let's talk about uh, chronic inflammation to the extreme. And what disease do we all fear? Of course, that's cancer, right? Sure, sure. And my research over the last year has started to show that there's a relationship between these chronic infections and malignancy. And what, what we've been doing is we take this infrared camera and we look at women's breasts that have breast cancer. And, of course, a, a tumor, a malignant tumor, will have a very warm heat signature, and the camera will show you exactly where it is and it will show you, give you a reference as to size and what have you. Those patients that we therm with that breast cancer, we also are doing their faces, and in particular their jaw, the upper and lower jaw with the thermal camera, and those individuals will show that have breast cancer on, the, on that particular side will have also a jawbone infection on that side. And if you take a small amount of local anesthetic like we were just discussing and you inject into the suspect infection in the jawbone, whether it be an area where a tooth is missing or a root canal, usually you will see the temperature change in the breast instantly by numbing up the tooth or the area of the jawbone. Really? Showing a relationship between chronic infection and cancer. Now, the theory is that these infections are so virulent that they are able, their toxins from these infections are able to turn on certain gene sequences in the cell in particular, possibly P53 and P22, based on new research, and actually stimulate cells to grow into this wild frenzy state known as malignancy. And indeed, are you going to stick? Are you going to fix the malignancy right. by leaving an infection on board, or do you need to address the cancer with whatever means possible? That could be surgery, chemotherapy, whatever, and/or removing the surgical site in the mouth that apparently may be causing these things. And that just goes right back, Chris, to uh, treating the tip of the iceberg, which is what medicine is doing today. We're treating the disease after it's already occurred rather than trying to make the body healthy to prevent disease. Absolutely. You know, once you know there's so many diseases out there that we have no idea where they come from, in particular the rheumatologists are great at this. They have 102 different diseases, and if you were to get to the basis of any disease process and figure out what's causing it, then the disease process becomes easier to fix. Otherwise, you're just treating symptoms. And most of the time, that's, you know, you, you, you cause a patient to be on medications for the rest of their life as long as you're still treating symptoms. And that's what I was taught as a medical student with, with my profession. Look for the cause of disease. Unfortunately, physicians are the quick, fastest ones, both DO and MDLI, to come out with their prescription pads once again, treating symptoms, not causes of disease. And as you know and I have known, when you look at the mouth, you know, you're so far ahead of the game that, you know, people look at you suspiciously. And yet what we've done is just reinvented the wheel because this was known over 100 years ago that dental infection causes systemic disease. And the dental profession and their great wisdom or their arrogance, in the last eight or nine years, they they, they, they have taken credit for discovering this oral system
economic relationship. And in reality, I have articles that go back 150 years. This has been known throughout mankind that your teeth will affect your health. And the, the guy whose shoulders we stand on is Dr. Weston Price from the uh, early part of the last century who did all this research with root canals and chronic jawbone infections. And interestingly enough, the uh, American Dental Association has rebutted, uh, refuted uh, Dr. Price's work, saying it's been re repeated and shown to be false, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, when I asked them for the uh, studies that they did to repeat Dr. Price's work, they don't have any. No. We return uh, with Dr. Robert Kulatz joining us today. Dr. Christopher Husser will talk about uh, identifying uh, those diseased bone and teeth. Um, you know, how do we identify the infections? What are the treatment options? Right here on Healthy Talk Radio. If your mercury fillings are receiving alien transmissions. <laughs> then you really need Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. Two pioneering giants in the field of connecting the dots join us today. Dr. Robert Kulotz, the author of The Roots of Disease, Connecting Dentistry and Medicine. Dr. Chris Husser with his uh, professional ex expertise in both medicine and dentistry. And we were talking about um, teeth. You know, when do you hold on to them? When do you fold them? Connecting the dots between infection and inflammation in the mouth and, um, you know, what... Uh, systemic total body effects it can have as well including inflammation putting it at higher risk of uh, autoimmune conditions uh, uh, cancerous diseases which brings us to you know how do we, how do we identify uh, an infection or is there ever <laughs> I know I've repeated this often Dr. Kula it's just a little infection going on there well it's interesting that um, some some dentists are so-called experts um, on the website Quackwatch, uh, mentioned that root canal teeth that normally have cysts or granulomas, which are infections around the apex of, or the tip of the root, and they are considered normal. Now, getting back to your little infection, that's not normal. It's not normal to have a chronic infection in the jawbone. And many times you can't see that on an x-ray. An x-ray is only a tool to help us, to guide us in diagnoses. Oftentimes, the apex or the tip of the root will exit um, above where the uh, tip of the root looks appears on the x-ray. It may be behind the root or in front of the root, and on a two-dimensional uh, x-ray, you don't see it. Uh, so that infection is there. Uh, it's always going to be there. The American Dental Association admits that you cannot sterilize teeth, but they also make a disclaimer that, well, the body will just handle the infection and that if the infection is in the bone, it will stay locally around that tooth. Well, that simply makes no medical sense whatsoever. And Dr. Husser can elaborate on the medical aspect of that. In medicine, it makes no sense. Sure, the body handles cancer, it handles heart attacks, it handles strokes. Not very well, right? Right, right. So that's, that's the bottom line here. Uh, once again, you have a profession that can leave infection behind in the jaw, but if the same infection were in a long bone of the body, you'd be in a hospital setting, surgical setting, an orthopedic sure, surgeon sure. would be cleaning out the bone and hope to God that he got it all out. And you'd be on antibiotics for six weeks. That's how virulent these things are. 
Well, there's much more to it, and um, uh, we always appreciate your time and your expertise. Invite you all to join us again. Dr. Robert Kulatzer, thanks to you. Thank you, Deborah. And Thank you, Chris. Much, Dr. Chris Husser. My pleasure. Let's do it again. Absolutely. If you missed anything or want to share it, the show is archived for two weeks, HealthyTalkRadio.com. The day's healthcare news posted as well, HealthyTalkRadio.com. Our thanks to Dr. Christopher Husser, Dr. Robert Kulatz. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you to live long, stay healthy.